Hello, very good evening to you and welcome to uh, a cracking show tonight. Did you see what I gave a cracking show? Because it's Easter weekend. Uh, happy good, good Friday to you. You're listening to The Locker Room on Indie Live, Radio number one for sport. And you are listening to myself, Michael and Matthew. Now, Matthew's in Scotland this week as well, but... Unfortunately, I'm not getting to not getting to see you because of lockdown and all that. But hello, it's strange to tell you. So if, I mean, I'm obviously over Zoom and stuff. So my, if my internet goes, and admittedly during the show, that's why because I'm in my my new flat in Garvin and we've just moved in and it's quite nice. I've got my setup. I've got my Iron Brew ready. Uh, <laughs> other drinks are <laughs> ready. Aye, so I'm in a Scottish mode and looking forward to us talking about Scottish sport this week, as usual. <laughs> yeah, so if Matthew comes and goes, sometimes I'll just fill in with the bingo numbers uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and all that, and hopefully you win some Easter eggs. <laughs> 55 a number, that seems to be going this week. <laughs> 55, yeah, <laughs> or maybe number one. Um, okay, so, um, coming up on the show. Other numbers are available. Uh, available, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, come at, at nine, ten, maybe. I don't know. Um, coming up this week, we'll uh, look ahead to the this weekend's Scottish Cup um, third round ties. We'll look ahead to. The, the women's uh, Sixth Nations rugby, and believe it or not, we've got a bit of basketball news for you as well. So let's begin at the beginning, I suppose. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Um, to speak about the big news came out last night uh, about Eddie Howe maybe coming to Celtic. Obviously, it's been... Um, it's been on the cards for weeks and weeks and weeks. Finally, Dermot Desmond and Dominic Mackay uh, went down to London to meet um, Eddie Howen. But apparently, there's uh, rumours coming out of Celtic Park. Like, it's maybe like a done deal. Yeah, I mean, well, it's been it's been obviously one of these things that have been ongoing because obviously, as you say, you know, Neil Lennon resigned the Celtic manager. What was it? Way back in late February, it seems like a lifetime ago now. But you know, he left late February. John Kennedy came in on an interim basis. To be fair, I thought John Kennedy might actually last the season. So it's quite funny how this seems to have started to steamroll now. Um, but obviously, you had John Kennedy leaving. You had. Um, Peter Lawwell stepping down and Dominic Mackay coming in from Scottish Rugby. Then on Wednesday, um, Nick Hammond, the head of football operations, left. Now, that was the first sign I think things were starting to move forward a little bit because things had obviously stalled and were slowing down. Then all of a sudden, Nick Hammond is leaving. Now, obviously, he was head of the football operations. Um, he said he was resigning to pursue new opportunities, but obviously, I think his time at Celtic was numbered. Um, and if you look at some of his signings, you know, Barkas, Ayeti, Klamala, um, awful signings, to be perfectly honest with you. I think his time was up and we were looking at a new director of football coming in to take on the role of football operations um, and sign signings and stuff like that. So, you know, his time is now over at the club. 
Celtic obviously have a lot of um, a lot of options, for example, but Fergal Harkin is the one that they're looking at from Manchester City, who mm. does that role relatively well down there. So he looks like coming in still as director of football and taking on the role from, from Hammond, who's been an unmitigated disaster, to be honest, for Celtic since he came in in 19, no, sorry, 2019. Um, it's been a disaster. So it looks like Celtic are going in that direction. And then, as you say, you know, Eddie Howe is clearly now the favourite to become Celtic manager after, as you say, you know, he was meeting Dermot Desmond and Mackay in, um, in London. Uh, was it yesterday you said? Yeah, that's so, right, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, it looks like it's it's far advanced. I think the former Bournemouth boss looks like now he's he's going to be on board along with the new director of football and Celtic finally have a, you know, finally have a bit of a, a light at the end of the darkest probably tunnel in the last decade that Celtic have had to encounter. Um, and it looks like Eddie Howe also, it looks like he's going to bring in Richard Hughes alongside them to oversee the restructuring. So he was, I think he was at him, he was with them a few times that he knows him well. There was also rumours that Peter Grant, who knows Eddie Howe too, um, could be coming in as assistant manager. So there's a, Eddie Howe seems to be looking at bringing in people that he knows quite well, either through Bournemouth or, you know, Peter Grant, he think he knew in the footballing sense when, when Eddie Howe was a footballer so it looks like things are moving forward a wee bit and it looks like Dermot Desmond and Mackay have their man um, and you know Celtic can finally look forward to a brighter future than what we've had to all watch this year coming from Celtic Park which has been a disaster really I think it's like a done deal Matthew because I think like uh, you wouldn't meet up with a new manager I mean okay you, you've heard it in the past about um, you know John Hartson um, failing the Mexico at, um, at Rangers and that's why he came to Celtic but um, you, you know you, you wouldn't go all this way especially um, off of the back of COVID as well Goods could travel down to London to see Eddie Howe as well. And I suppose it's good to see because there was um, rumours that most of Celtic fans were about annoyed how Dominic Mackay isn't coming in now. But there you go, maybe that's your answer. Um, you know, Dominic, Dominic Mackay is working uh, in the background, you would say, for next season. Yeah, I mean, I think it made sense. I mean, it was worrying. I mean, I thought it was worrying when, you know, Celtic were making noises that Peter Lawwell was still doing this search for the new manager because with Mackay coming in, I think we all thought, well, Mackay's going to be the one that's working with him on a day-to-day basis. Mackay's going to be the one, you know, sort of sorting out transfers and things like that along with the director of football. So for Lawwell to be the main protagonist in this I think was worrying but when you see you know that Mackay is involved in heading up this search for 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 the new manager and obviously for how then I think it does bode well for that working relationship I mean like you said you know I think Celtic since since February there's been a few managers I mean I think Roy Keane at one point last week was it was a favourite to become manager of the bookies had closed the book on him becoming a new manager supposedly he had had sort of not official discussions with Dermot Desmond and things like that. So last week, I think Roy Keane was the favourite. And, you know, I think most Celtic fans were you know, sighing and thinking this is the same old Celtic as usual. Um, I think you'd even suggested, you know, another Celt- Irish Celtic manager. And it just mm. seemed that that was, that was the way it was going. But, you know, 
I think now they've chosen the best guy for the job if if how comes in it definitely would be a step up and I think um for Celtic it brings that professionalism and, and it brings up that style of football that Celtic fans like to see and how has a great record you know I think Burnley was maybe the only sort of black book you know he was in Bur- at Burnley from 16th of January 2011 and um, he signed a three-year contract at the time um, but Burnley didn't have the greatest of starts and they finished eighth in the championship 13th of the year later and how left Burnley really under a little bit of a cloud and it was looking a bit disappointing for him but then you know where they made his mark was really uh, Bournemouth you know he came in October 2012 they were struggling in League One. There was a point where actually it looked like they were going to actually exit the league uh, down to the conference. So he came in in a probably Bournemouth's lowest ebb ever. But then he went on a great run. He got them promoted near enough season after season. And on, would you believe, the 19th of April 2015, he was actually selected as manager of the decade for the Football League. Um, so that just shows you how his stock rose from Burnley into Bournemouth 2012 and then by 2015 he's manager of the decade he secured them then uh, that, year, that year in a pre- promotion into the Premiership and bear in mind Bournemouth is a, a team with maybe about 15-20,000 fans tops and he managed to get them into the Premiership competing against uh, obviously your big guns and he showed that he could do it. You know, obviously I'm an Aston Villa fan and Bournemouth you used to beat Aston Villa quite regularly and easily. And Villa obviously were a mainstay in the top flight at that time. So it just showed you what he could do. It was a shame, obviously, they, they, they were relegated um, after finishing in 18th place in 1920. And I think, you know, I think he thought his, his time had come at Bournemouth and he left the club by mutual consent. He wasn't sacked. He left by mutual consent because I think he just um, maybe ran his course there. Um, but he was known for attractive football. He was known for, this is what I think, the, why the board like him. He was known for attractive football, but he was known for bringing in young players, improving them and selling them on for a profit. And I think that, that side of things... Uh, is why the Celtic board will be quite happy because obviously they are they are quite happy bringing in projects, working on them. They want to see them become better, and they want to ultimately sell them on to the English market for a profit. And how sure they could do that with Bournemouth, and I think the Celtic board hope that he can do that with Celtic, obviously, um, and play the attractive football that won him so many plaudits in the Championship and in the Premiership. I mean, it was unbelievable how you know from taking them to League Two to ninth in the Premiership for a team like Bournemouth is just unbelievable. Um, and yeah, we're hoping, I think Celtic are hoping that we can all um, see him do that down there. Um, and obviously at the moment it does look like, as you say, he's the favourite for the job. And I, I mean, I have to say the candidates for this job haven't been the best, but I think ultimately when you look back in it, he's probably definitely up there with the top two sort of candidates that you were looking at. Him and maybe Maresca at Manchester City were probably the two major realistic candidates that Celtic were looking for. And if, you know, if Howe is closed out by the end of today or tomorrow, um, Celtic definitely have um, definitely have one of their top options. And it's a, it's a good move, definitely a good move for both parties. And also, if Eddie Howe is the new manager, he'll be watching a TV tomorrow night as Celtic plays Falkirk. It's a bit of a funny kickoff time, half seven on a Saturday night, um, because it's on TV. But it's an interesting game that one as well, Matthew, because you know the, the last game Celtic played it with Rangers, and the game finished one each. Um, 
as well. So this is going to be an interesting game for Celtic, and uh, and it could might be a bit of a banana skin in a kind of way. Well, I mean, I think every game Celtic plays this season it has the potential to be a banana skin, um, and I, and I don't think that's changes anything. You know, Ross County came to Celtic Park and successfully knocked Celtic out the League Cup um, back last year. I think Falkirk have the potential to do this, especially because if I was Celtic, you know, I would use this game at the weekend to see some of the players who maybe aren't starting all the time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, say, Barkas is playing. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Ayeti starts or Griffiths starts. I would hope Griffiths starts um, just because I want to see him getting some game time at Celtic, um, not only from a Celtic point of view, but there was links this week between, for Griffiths, maybe moving to Aberdeen along Scott Brown oh, or maybe, okay. mo- yeah, or moving back to his beloved Hibs, which, you know, knowingly Griffiths, I think that would be his, his ideal scenario would be going back to Easter Road. But, you know, there's rumours that... Um, that could happen. So Griffiths will be jumping at the bit to to start, and I would hope he would do because you know Falkirk. These are the sorts of games maybe in the last few years that Celtic would be confident enough to play, um, maybe substitutes or reserve players and still get the result. This year I'm not, you know, I think I'm not so confident Celtic can do that. Uh, but you would still hope Celtic could do that, get some um, players game time. Um, but because this is really Celtic's last chance at silverware. Um, maybe maybe you might find that Kennedy won't play any reserve players. He will play the first 11. But, you know, I would still expect to see a Yeti getting game time, Griffiths getting game time, yeah, maybe even Barkas getting some game time too, um, just to give these players a chance to get some, you know, get it back onto the pitch, get some minutes in them. And then, yeah, ultimately with, with how coming in, a lot of these players will not be there next season. So ultimately these players will get a chance to showcase their abilities and move on from Celtic Park in the summer so it's a very big game I think for all concerned for many different reasons um, So, and it is going to be an interesting one because of that because Falkirk are, are having an okay season they're not it's not going to be an easy tie for Celtic by any means but because yeah because the overseeing of Celtic from top to bottom is going to be Celtic's main concern and you have to remember I think there's only 109 days from today to when Celtic starts the Champions League qualifying next season so if how comes in today, for for example, he only has 109 days to, to sort out this squad. And and that's what I mean. I think the Scottish Cup against Falkirk is a prime example to start that rebuild because you'll see players, you'll see what they can do. And ultimately, yeah, if they do perform, but it's not up to how standards, you know, it gives them an opportunity to be in the shop window and get them moved on in the summer. And I imagine this summer Celtic will be like a revolving door. Okay, let's look at the rest of the game then. Um, uh, you, you... You can go on to a cup, cup football with a, a, a local derby. So you've got a derby tonight, Ross County against Inverness. Uh, Dumb, uh, tomorrow you've got Dumbarton against Aberdeen. That's a quarter past 12 kickoff. Air United against Craig. Brother Rangers, the big, um, the, 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 the wee minnows, you would say, beating the big minnows' hearts. Uh, they are playing Skinra, uh, Dundee against uh, St. Johnson. That's a kind of derby as well, in a kind of way. Dundee United against Packet Thistle. East Fife uh, is at home to Glen Morton. Forfa um, against Edinburgh City. Um, uh, Marlowe is away to 
from Rose. Um, well, uh, yeah, uh, so and Hamilton as Prince Mellon, and and also you've got Levinskin, Rayford, Skinra, Kamarok, Circuit Folk, we spoke about Rangers as in Sunday night, believe it or not. That's a funny kickoff game, half six. I playing Cove Rangers. That's a very difficult game for Rangers there, I think. And then on Monday, Rangers. yeah, it's a Rangers derby. Um, <laughs> and then on Monday night at quarter to eight, you half cook. Um, you can finish all your Easter eggs and come in a good time to watch Queen of the South versus the High Bees Hibs. I tell you what, though, that Strand Road trip looks like to have a nightmare journey attached to it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, I don't know how long it'll take from Str- for Strand Road to get up there. But I think, like I said last time, you know, when Hearts lost that game, I could almost feel the Strand Road players sigh at the fact that it'll take, what, five, six, maybe seven hours to get all the way from Strand Road up there and then back. So, you know, now that COVID restrictions are lifted a bit and we're told to stay local, that journey is anything but local. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the biggest tie of the the, the uh, weekend is probably Ross County Inverness tonight. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm extremely looking forward to that because I love that I love ding dong derbies as as Tom Ross and Birmingham would say um, about local derbies. I think it's 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 got the potential to be a good one. Um, obviously, you know the Highland sides that I don't think they've met since 2019, and I think you know the the renewal of the rivalry I think is exactly what everybody needs to to look forward to. It. And I think it's on it's on television tonight, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I think the. Yeah, so I think the nation will be looking forward uh, to watch that one. But, but, you know, I think these two were playing a lot um, over recent years, you know, but now they've started to, I think they faced each other six times, possibly over the 2018-19 season. They played each other twice in the Scottish Cup. Um, But I think, obviously, because they're in different divisions these days, the game's obviously not as much. But um, obviously in the Cup, it's a big one. Inverness last beat Ross County over 90 minutes in March 2016. Um, but the la- but Inverness, you know, they did it did go to penalties, I think, in 2019. Um, and Inverness won that one. Um, but like I said, it wasn't over the 90 minutes. Both clubs, you know, they've got new managers. Uh, John Hughes won the Scottish Cup for Inverness in 2015, but he's now obviously at Ross County. Um, and Inverness, Billy Dodds, um, has signed up to be a caretaker after after what happened there, sadly. So, you know, Neil McCann is in there and it's got the interest, it's got a real big Derby feel to it. Two new managers both trying to feel their way. John Hughes has obviously been there a little longer. Um, Billy Dodds has obviously came in a little bit um, because of the situation there. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think he'll be looking to prove uh, what he can do there just in case, um, just in case Robertson doesn't return there. But there's one player I think we'll be all looking forward to seeing. Um, and obviously everyone knows that I've got a soft spot for Hibs. So I don't think anyone will be surprised when I say the player that I think we should all be watching out for tonight. But the one player I'll be watching out for personally is Scott Allen. Uh, he joined Inverness on loan for the rest of the season um, as he continues to try and manage. I think it's a heart condition that co- that's caused him mm. like fatigue and shortness of breath. He's always been, he's always had that sort of side to him a little bit. But um, obviously that's been causing them a lot of trouble this year. And with COVID on top of that, I think he's really struggled to get into the hip side, which is a shame because he brings a little spark. 
he brings that little bit of flair to Hibs teams because he's not been getting in there as much. I think Hibs have suffered because of that. Um, and he's obviously been absent for, the, for five months due to that sort of thing. So he's came back, he's played a handful of substitute appearances for, for Hibs, but he's moved up to um, he's moved up to the Highlands and Inverness this year to, to see what he can do. He came off the bench in Inverness's weekend win over our broth. He could be selected, definitely, he will definitely be in the squad. I would hope to see him in the team tonight and I'd like to see what he can do because if he can get back to playing at his best, um, he will definitely be an asset to Inverness in the Cup. He'll definitely be an, um, a, sort of an asset to Inverness in the league and if he can come back to Hibs next season uh, firing on all cylinders, he'll definitely be an a- asset to Hibernian next season. So... Scott Allen will be the one I'm really interested to see. Um, and fingers crossed he, he plays well tonight because you have to feel for the lad given uh, the COVID season or seasons that he's had to encounter for the last couple of years. So um, fingers crossed he, he does well tonight and manages to make an impact for Inverness. I was just looking at the games, Matthew. There's not really a kind of banana skin, if you see what I mean this weekend. Obviously, they're all banana skins, but um, I'm guessing that this game, Skin House New York Camargo game, um, that could be a real slip up for Camargo because, you know, Camargo's not won a game, um, won a game since, the, the, sorry, on the last game they, they won, didn't they? They won one now, but um, under uh, the, the new manager, Comic Tommy Wright, but look, Kamal's on a big, a, a bad run of form at the, at the minute. Yeah, and it's an away game, I think, for Kamal, yeah, isn't it? You yeah. said so. Um, I'm trying to think of those lists because you, you obviously were good this week and you read them out, which means I, I have to try and remember them off the top of my head, and they're quite. Uh, it was quite a long list there you done, so fair play. Uh, but Kamarnik, yeah, Kamarnik away. They're not scoring goals. They're conceding. That's got a potential for a for a ginormous. Um, slip up there for them at Stenners Muir but there's a few games that you think mm, you don't know Dundee United Partick Thistle you know yeah, Partick Thistle are doing okay um, Dundee United aren't great shakes so that has a potential for Partick Thistle to come in there and do the job um, I think another one Hamilton St Mirren should be quite interesting um, mm. that's a obviously Premiership Derby both of them you know St Mirren are doing slightly better in the league obviously Hamilton are in a bit of trouble but that obviously any Premiership tie is quite good Celtic Falkirk as we've discussed about it depends what Celtic side uh, plays um, tonight but or tomorrow night but you know you never know uh, with Celtic this season so Falkirk who are playing quite well um, and have had giant killings of their own could easily come in there and, and cause an upset uh, Dumbarton Aberdeen you know it's a long journey down for Aberdeen to Dumbarton Aberdeen have been in a bit of turmoil even though they're you know they're fourth in the Premiership they've had managerial changes it looks like there's player changes in the summer summer coming as well for Aberdeen so you just don't know what you're going to get from, from the Dons too so while on paper, like you said, nothing stands out as being a definite, you know, but there are little things that could make it interesting this week weekend. And, you know, like I said, the, the Dumbarton game, the Dundee United game, Stenhouse-Muir game, like you said, even Celtic Falkirk could cause a few slip-ups. Oh, Livingston Wraith Rovers too. That's kind of like an East yeah. Coast derby too. So, you know, Livingston haven't been on great shakes since they got to the League Cup final and Wraith Rovers are coming in there not in bad form. So that's another one that could potentially be a giant killing. So it's one of these weekends where you don't expect it, but um, you wouldn't be surprised if it happened at some of the games. The only one I wouldn't is Rangers. I think Rangers will go through on, on Sunday night. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite good as well. Mavsia could see that there's four games on the TV this weekend because if you think about years gone by, you, you wouldn't get any. You, you would be lucky to get one or two games um, from the third round of the Scottish Cup. <laughs> not, you, you know, uh, not in the third round, you know. So it's but you know what? Do you want me to tell you my little annoyance that's happened this weekend because of the TV games? It's just a quick one. I discovered, right, and it's Brexit's fault, right, just to make this a political point, it's all Brexit's fault. I used to come, I used, I get my TV subscription, obviously, in Ireland because um, the house over there um, has got the TV set up. So before Brexit, I used to be able to take my TV package on the phone or whatever and come over to Scotland and watch the games when I was over here. Fine. This is the first time really I've been over since Brexit's really kicked in. Um, and obviously with COVID, I've not been over as much as I'd like to. So I've not been over really since Brexit kicked in. But I was settling down last night to watch some sport on Now TV. Because of Brexit, I now cannot roam the EU. So therefore, I cannot watch TV that I would have normally watched in Scotland from my Irish package over here. So um, thank you very much, Brexit. And, and, and that was my fault for bringing that conversation up there. But <laughs> I, I think you can get away with it because it's Sunday Live regular. Uh, well, thank, th- I, th- I think hopefully uh, hopefully this problem will not last very much longer, let's just say that. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully um, people power and all that kind of stuff. Um, one, one more thing I was going to say about the Rangers game on Sunday night is uh, uh, the Rangers fans will be happy because Adam McGregor has signed a new deal for Rangers Mafia and it keeps them at Rangers till 2000, um, uh, keeps them at the club till next summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to be honest and say I'm not, I'm not overly surprised. I think. Rangers number one have probably watched what's happened at Celtic this summer and have seen two top class goalkeepers walking out the door at Celtic Park. Uh, one, okay, maybe wanted to try his hand at England. That's fine. But Craig Gordon was a big one. Craig Gordon and Alan McGregor are almost like, you know, similar ages, side by side. Um, they've watched Celtic just let Craig Gordon walk out the door to Hearts and have a pretty good season at Hearts. They watched them on, was it? last night uh, or a few nights ago with Scotland Wednesday night have a outstanding game for Scotland internationally they've seen that happen and they probably thought well look on this hand we've got Alan McGregor he's had an amazing season he's been one probably up there with the player of the season competition I would say I think he's he's had an outstanding second spell at Rangers he's kept 16 clean sheets in the league alone this year and I think if you're Rangers watching what Celtic did, you're thinking, I do not want to make the same mistake with our keeper. Um, so, you know, he signed a one-year extension to remain at Ibrox, like you say, until summer 2022. I think it was the most straightforward decision Rangers have ever had mm. to make because if they let Alan McGregor go, how, who would you replace him with that's of equal standard to him? Yeah, that's uh, he's been a good servant to Rangers as well. Yeah, I mean, if you think about some of the saves that he's made, not just in in Scotland, like I said, his 16 clean sheets in the league is unbelievable. But in Europe, you know, he's had a string of remarkable stops in the Europa League. I think one uh, one or two commentators said, you know, the save at Slavia Prague this month was one of the best saves I'd ever seen, full stop. Um, So I think that's the sort of level you're getting at. You know, he's obviously won titles at Rangers this year. He's won titles previously. He's won League Cups. He's won Scottish Cups. He's setting records for clean sheets he's doing all of those things 
And if Rangers, you know, want to continue to compete at this level without maybe like what Celtic did, like I said, question marks about the keeper, question marks about what you're getting. Rangers don't need that for next year because Celtic will be coming at them full pelt. They want to be as stable as possible with the side that have won uh, their 55th or first title, whatever, what, what you want to say, bingo numbers. Um, you know, he he's won them this league along with maybe Stephen Davis has had a good season too. There's been a few standout performances, but Alan McGregor stood out for me in Europe and the league. He stood out constantly. I think Rangers would have been absolutely crazy if they let him walk out the door. So this contract extension, I think, like you said, Rangers fans will be ecstatic because it's a common sense move. Um, it keeps McGregor at the, the side for another year. Um and it really means Rangers can concentrate on other areas because they know that they've got McGregor. They've also got another stand um, in the squad as well. So they've got two really good keepers at Rangers now. That's one area of the pitch they don't have to worry about. They can focus on strengthening in other areas. So Rangers also look like they're going to come into next season strong too. And I tell you what, if Celtic come at Rangers, that next year's league title could be a really exciting one to watch. Mm, yeah, exactly. One other bit of news as well, Matthew, and it's concerning Hearts. Now, I see the games this weekend. Uh, there's only two games on in the Championship this weekend. Uh, Abloff is against Aloha and Dunfermline is playing Hearts. Now, that's a very tasty one, not because Hearts is on a bad run of form, um, um, but I, I guess I feel as though that's a Premiership game, looking at that one as well, but also, that uh, Shane Rogan has been moved um, to Hearts till the end of the season on loan. Of course, Shane Rogan was at Aberdeen um, and they wasn't really getting a game at Aberdeen. So I think that's why he moved to Hearts. So um, I, I don't know what I don't know how you feel about that one, but uh, it's, a, it's a kind of good move for Hearts because then they're a bag runner for them at late as well. But uh, it's also to help them get over the line in the championship. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's two things here. I think from a club's point of view, if you're thinking about what Hearts' agenda was this year, I think there was only one agenda, and the agenda was win the title and get back to the Premiership straight away. Mm. Now, I think that agenda, that plan is going to be met. I think they'll definitely get out the the league this year. And they'll definitely be back in the Premiership. So I think that's a tick. And I think you know, I think if, if you're Stephen Presley, if you're um, if you're Anne Budge, you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, that's it, job done. We move on to next season. Uh, hopefully, next season they'll be better COVID-wise. Hopefully, there'll be fans back in Tynecastle, and hopefully, we can start the rebuild to make Hearts a Premiership team, uh, like Dundee United kind of had to do this year. Um, so I think that's one side of it. I can see why the club are getting a bit frustrated with the fans because that was the one agenda, that's what they had to do. But then they've got the fans' agenda. You know, the fans no, don't just want Hearts to win the title because I think most of them think it was a giveaway anyway because Hearts have so much more financial clout than the rest of the league, and that's true, they do. So I think not only did Hearts want to see Hearts fans want to see Hearts win the league. They wanted to see them win it convincingly. They wanted to see them do it with style. And they wanted some hope that this nucleus of a team could then move on from the Championship up to the Premiership. Um, now, it started, I think the season started off okay. They obviously got enough points on the board. I think the worrying thing for Hearts is the style of play. None of them have been excited by the style of play. Um, 
people think it's quite cautious style of football that maybe a team like Hearts don't want to see. Um, so they've been frustrated by that, but the results were coming, so therefore the noise wasn't as great. But then they get knocked out the Scottish Cup. Then they get um, by a non-league team. Then they get not they get beaten in the league a few times at Tynecastle. The they have a few draws, boring draws, um, you know, like that just don't bring any excitement to the fans. So they're not very happy with what they're seeing because they're thinking, well, this is a nucleus of the team that's going to go up and this is the style of play we're going to see when we move into the Premiership. We'll end up coming straight back down. Do you, do you think it's a bit over the top? Our Hearts fans, uh, like, um, they were told not to progress last week, but obviously when they were getting beat, <laughs> the Hearts fans were were going out to see King Castle during the game, but do you not feel it's a bit over the top for, for them to do that? Um, well, I think I think the thing is Hearts are a massive, massive club. They're easily, I would suggest, I mean, they're definitely I'd say they're the third biggest team. I mean, I, I don't want to I, I was thinking about just that they're how it really was. I think Hearts are probably the third biggest team in Scotland, mm. fan base wise, success wise, obviously in Edinburgh. So I would I would say, and as like I said, that someone who has more of a soft spot for the Hibs side of the city, I would say Hearts probably are the third biggest team in the country. Hearts fans are a bit like Celtic fans and Rangers fans. They expect to see success, but they expect expect to see success in the right way. They expect to see it in a style that's befitting of the third biggest team in Scotland. Um, and I think, I, I think, like I said, you know, the, what their main agenda has been met, but the concern is, you know, they're scraping over the line in the championship. I think it's maybe I fall along the lines of maybe it's right to make their concerns known because the worst thing that could have happened is maybe they say, well, we'll just leave it and we'll let Hearts go into the Premiership and not make a noise. And then Hearts think it's acceptable to continue that way of playing with that sort of squad budget. Um, I think Hearts need to, Hearts fans need to let their anger be known. So when Hearts do go back into the Premiership, Budge knows that they're going to have to spend what they can afford on the right sorts of players. And, you know, the management team at Hearts need to know this is the style of football we want to see and expect to see at Tynecastle. It's not just about winning games, it's about playing the right way and exciting the public. So I can see why Hearts fans are protesting. And like you saw at Celtic, you know, if if you don't protest and things are allowed to um, just sort of shivel out without any sort of noise, you've seen the result of it at Celtic Park. I think Hearts fans are probably not wanting to see the same disaster hit Hearts uh, next season, especially in the Premiership, because... Um, it's such a big year that they don't want to be challenging to the bottom. They want to be at the very least where Dungeon United are. And to be honest, from where Hearts are at the moment, from what I've seen of them, to where Dundee United are, it's quite a big jump. So Hearts are going to have to get their, you know, get their finger out over the summer and try and bring in players of the top quality to get to that point. Now they've signed uh, McNiff from Shamrock Rovers. He's a very, very good box-to-box player, very forward-thinking. I always like watching him at Shamrock Rovers, whether it was in the league um, or in Europe. He's performed well for Europe or, you know, under level, underage levels internationally, uh, especially as well when he was at Derry City. He was another. He was he was playing outstanding too. He's a sort of style of midfielder and level of midfielder I think Hearts need, um, and it'll need to, it'll need another three, four players of that ilk for Hearts to be able to compete in the Premiership because if that team does go up and that's the nucleus of the team, I would worry about Hearts next season. 
Okay, that that's moved across the road now. Not 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 speaking about heads, but speaking about Murrayfield now, because as you know, and we we cover all the Scotland games here in the in the locker room. Disappointing six nation for Scotland. Skaki golf well against England, but however, it's the women's rugby team's turn. Um, the the women's six nations begin tomorrow. And it's a wee bit spooky because our first game is Scotland and England, um, like like the men uh, done on the opening game. So I'll go through to the games, uh, Matthew. There's Scotland plays England, but also they have got Italy in Pool A and Pool B. They have got um, France. Ireland and Wales, so it's a wee bit different to the men's Six Nations where they just have one kind of group, but on the women's um, Six Nations, they have two pools with um, with kind of three teams in the, the two pools. So Scotland against England tomorrow, Matthew. It's not in Scotland again, it's in uh, Doncaster, the game. Um, so looking forward to that one and hopefully it can be two wins out of two for Scotland against England. It's a tough ask though, a very, yeah. very tough ask. I mean, I think it's going to be a tough group for England, for Scotland obviously to break down. Um, you know, England trounced Scotland, you know, I think it was, was it 53 now in Edinburgh last year? Um, while there was a margin of 80-0 in 2019. 80-0 so there's a a very um, I mean it's good to see Scotland back and Scotland are obviously getting better I think the gap's closing a little bit but it's a very very tough group for Scotland to be able to compete against Um, I mean the girls from what I understand you know they're ready to go they've been They've been training hard. Uh, they've been gearing up, obviously, for this because the Six Nations obviously was cancelled in the women's uh, section back in, you know, was it February time it was cancelled? So, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're excited to get back. Uh, there's no pressure, I don't think. You know, I, I think Scotland are going into this with no pressure because England are expected to win. Um, there has been a few, like I said, there's been a few positive signs um, performance-wise. But, you know, you've got to change those performances, positive performances into results. And I think a positive result would help Scotland all round eventually if Scotland could pick it up. Um, but, like, yeah, it's a very tough ask, I think, for Scotland to face England, especially in Doncaster. Um, it's going to be a tough ask. But we're hopeful that they can at least... I mean, I, I don't think it would be a disaster if, if, if Scotland lost, obviously. If we can just pull that level down, so instead of maybe 18 and 53 defeats, if we get it down to maybe... 30 or 20 level, that's a success. And, and you know, you never know. COVID's had a had a strange effect on sport this year. We've seen some weird results coming out the blue. You know, like you said, the England Scotland men's game, the Scotland France game in Paris was another strange one. So miracles do happen. Maybe this is one of these ones where we don't expect it. There's no pressure on Scotland somehow managed to go and get a good result. But like I said, I think we have to look at this realistically and think, well. At best, if we can get that that points tally down from fifty three to maybe you know in the thirties or twenties, then that's a stepping stone maybe into the two thousand and twenty two Six Nations and onwards. So defeat isn't a disaster here. Um, but like I said, COVID has resulted in some strange results. So we can only hope that Scotland could go and get something in England. And if they do, I think I'll run into the street and scream as loud as I can because anything here would be an amazing result. <laughs> 
I look forward to that, Matthew. Um, if you <laughs> send me the video of that, and I'll put it up on Indie Live social media, that would be very good. Well, um, enough, also, you're talking about women's sport generally. I mean, um, it's it's a strange one because there's a few other women's... There's a, another part of the women's thing is coming back this weekend too. Um, so not only is, is the rugby making a bit of a reappearance this weekend, but the, the women's game and football mm-hmm. is yeah. also coming back. So... You know, it's it's interesting to see. You know, it's good that the women's Six Nations getting a, a run out. It'll be good to see Scotland playing finally. Uh, like I said, the the women's Premier League is coming back too. So as far as I know, you know, Celtic are hosting the big game this weekend. The Celtic are playing Glasgow City at K Park. So it's a shame. You know, I think last time they played a capacity crowd appeared. The game was on BBC Alba. I think it's on BBC Alba maybe this weekend too. Um, Celtic fans will be looking forward to that. Glasgow City though again are just unbelievable. I mean they've won they've won the league what over the last I'm talking about ten in a row, eleven in a row, twelve in a row. You know, Glasgow City have won the league so many times in a row. It's unbelievable. Um so you know Celtic are third in the league at the moment, two points off Glasgow City and Rangers. I think Rangers are joint top two. So it'll be interesting to have the women's game back definitely. And the game to look forward to, like I said, is Glasgow City against uh, Celtic because it's a big top of the table clash. You don't want to obviously Glasgow City are so far ahead that it'd be good for Celtic maybe to get a result and, and try and knock Glasgow City off their peg a bit. But Glasgow City are just so unbelievably good that I just can't see any anyone stopping them this season. And um, it'll be a tough ask for Celtic. Um, but it's a top of the table clash to start the, the Scottish women's game backbone. And uh, it'll be definitely a good encounter to watch at, at, um, at Celtic. Yeah, of course, it's good to get sport back now as well, Matthew, and, and all that. Another event that's happening this weekend is that the Pro 14 is finished now, but it's a European Cup final. Yeah, I mean, we, we had that. I mean, we had the amazing result um, to end the Six Nations with Scotland going to France um, and managing somehow to win in Paris. I mean, that game was unbelievable. Um, all the way through that, Scotland were hanging in and hanging in. France, obviously, were going for the Six Nations crown. And the talk was not that not whether France could beat Scotland. The talk coming into that game was obviously, you know, Scotland had lost a lot of their players because uh, the English Premiership hadn't released them all. Um, France were talking about how much we're going to beat Scotland by and whether they could beat France, uh, sorry, beat Wales to the Six Nations crown. And it never really happened. You know, France were always picking away at Scotland. Scotland were picking back. It was very, very close. And even the last play of the game, Scotland were in it. I think France had the chance to kick the ball out, but it was closed down. Scotland got it back and managed to get the winning try with the last play of the game. Um, I'm talking about running out in the street. You know, I nearly burst into tears because it was just such a big, big result for Scotland uh, and Scotland, Scotland rugby as a whole. And then, you know, days after Scotland beat win in Paris uh, their professional teams Glasgow and Edinburgh are both returning to France for a European quarterfinal um, place up for grabs in fact the game the biggest game is obviously Edinburgh they go to Paris to tackle Racing 92 the home of Finn Russell I don't think Finn Russell will be playing after his red card um, against Scott, uh, against pa- France and Paris last weekend but you know Racing 92 are there um, they are the Galacticos of world rugby, you know, they have some of the greatest talent um, going. They also very rarely lose in Paris. 
Um, French teams tend to lose away, but they they don't really lose at home. So, you know, Edinburgh going into this, not in the best of form. They've not done well in the Pro 14. Um, They've lost last weekend in the Pro 14 game in, in Wales. They don't look great shakes, but, you know, the the Scotland players are coming back. That will boost Edinburgh um, in this game. But, you know, Scotland going away to France and winning in the Six Nations is one thing. But Edinburgh going to play Racing 92 in Paris is a completely different thing. And I fear for the score. um, I mean, Racing 92 could easily rack up a cricket score here um, because I think they are just too far good uh, for Edinburgh to go there and have a chance. But Glasgow Warriors, on the other hand, do have a decent chance. You know, they face uh, Montpellier, who are struggling at the moment um, in the Challenge Cup. So, you know, Montpellier aren't doing great. They're having a troubled year. Glasgow Warriors haven't had the best of years, but they're still up there. And the they were still up there in the Pro 14 Challenge and at the end. Um, so that's one's going to be an interesting game. Uh, and I think Glasgow Warriors do have a chance in that one to compete. But, you know, to go back to the... You know, the big one, I think the Edinburgh one, you know, like I said, Russell's gone for this one. Edinburgh, you know, hopefully will be able to to complement their Scotland players uh, and have them back in the pack. So that's going to be interesting. Hamish Watson, um, he, I'm not sure whether he'll be back. Van der Merva, um, Sutherland, all these players may or may not come back for this game. So I think, I think without Russell, um, Edinburgh will have too much or too little, sorry, to go into Racing 92 and get into get the win because it has the potential, like I said, to be a cricket score, sadly, um, for for um, Racing. Um, but it will always interesting to see um, how that goes. But, yeah, I, I don't hold out any hope, really, in regards to Edinburgh. But, yeah, Glasgow ha- do have a chance. Um, they, I mean, they've ha- like I said, they've had an on and off season. Uh, that has put them under a bit of pressure because Glasgow normally are one of the best sides in the Pro 14 and normally do compete in Europe. But their confidence will be up. They scored six tries against Benetton. And they're hoping that games like that towards the end of the season will be able to turn Glasgow from having a pretty poor season into a really good one as they've they've came on at the end. So I can see, sadly, I can see Racing 92 going through, but I could see see Glasgow going into Montpellier and and getting through into the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup and keeping uh, keeping Scotland's hopes alive in European rugby competition uh, into, into April, into long... Uh, further down the line in April into the quarters and possibly even semis because once Glasgow get going they're very hard to stop um, So you're listening to Indie Live Radio it's the locker room here with the flag and mate with me Michael and my wonderful co-host well that's what it says here Matthew <laughs> we're here with the flag and mate between 6 and 7 if you have missed the show already how dare you um, but um, it is available to download get the podcast uh, after the show is going to Indie Live Radio and you will see the podcast and download it as well because we, we've been getting a lot of hits um, when people are skinboarding it, so that's good. If you want to email us, you can do so as well. It's Indie Live um, sorry, I'll say that again. It's lockerroomindylife at gmail.com. Get Carrie Weber, lockerroomindylife at gmail.com. Now, Matthew, um, since we, we scattered the show, right, we spoke about horse racing, football, 
NFL, Pro 14, snooker, but we haven't spoke about basketball before. But I remember at the very beginning, um, I was saying that um, the head of Glasgow Rocks were a bit annoyed because all the other sports were coming back and uh, the government didn't mention basketball. But I'm happy to say that basketball is coming back. Yes, this weekend. In fact, in half an hour, when you when when we finish off at seven o'clock, go for a cup of tea and then come back because I don't know if the game's on the TV or not. But uh, Glasgow Rocks are playing tonight on the um, they're playing in the BBL Championship. They play against Newcastle. Uh, um, half seven, it's down in Newcastle, and uh, and also on Sunday night, Matthew, uh, no rest for the wicked, they're playing on Sunday night in Glasgow uh, at the Emirates Arena um, against the, Bris- the, the Briscoe Friars, so there you go, some basketball coming back for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, think, I think if you're looking for a family-friendly nice sport to watch. I mean, it's not on the court. It's obviously professional on that, but atmosphere-wise, if you're mm. looking for a family-friendly sport that's quite acceptable to get in price-wise um, and you want something like that, it brings a bit of a ramitas that you maybe not have in, in football, like, I don't know, music and stuff like that, then uh, basketball is definitely the place to go. Um, with, you know, your foam fingers and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely the place to go. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In football, it would be a different finger that was foam. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think no, we I think... should. I think we should stop speaking about foam fingers. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah, maybe Michael, we could we could get a locker room foam finger that we could uh, yeah, send yeah. out to people. <laughs> yeah, don't aim it at me. Or... Don't aim it at me or Matthew, please. <laughs> tell, tell me, people, if everyone wants a locker room foam finger, let us know. And we'll yeah, sort yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll fix it for you. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, oh. fix it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I think basketball, it's, it's good to have it back. It's, it's struggled because of COVID, obviously. You know, basketball, you can watch it, I think. I don't think you can watch it on the mainstream TV channels, but if you go to the BBL website, I think you can pay for a stream that gets you, I can't remember if it's individual games or whether it's all the games, but it might be individual. So you can go on the on the website, you can click a game, you pay like a fiver or whatever it is, and you can watch the feed of that game, like like in every other sport, I think, that's experienced COVID. But I think unlike other sports, I think you can do that anyway. Like with it before, even before COVID, you could go in to choose a game and watch the internet feed. So they're quite up to date on that. But the problem is a lot of their money didn't come from TV revenue, obviously. A lot of their money came from fans coming into stadiums. And as soon as, you, it's like ice hockey, as soon as you take away that revenue fund, there's no money to pay players, there's no money to pay rent, there's no money to do any of that sort of stuff. So the season sadly had to come to an end. But, you know, as you know, government money's appeared for sports, smaller sports like ice hockey, basketball, swimming and such like, and as you know, we're getting closer to fans being able to come back into these venues, pay season ticket money, pay ticket money, and all of that sort of pay for their phone fingers and stuff like that. Um, as you get that sort of revenue, you can start the season up again, and that's where we're at. And it's really exciting to see all sports thinking about coming back. So now that we've got the Glasgow Glasgow coming back to play, um, 
the next steps ice hockey getting the getting mm. the Glasgow um back playing ice hockey too. Um and then we can start going back to some sort of normality sports wise and watching them across the board. Am I right in saying Matthew that the Glasgow Rocks used to play at the Hag before they moved to the Emirates? Yeah, yeah, I think they did. Um and I, I can vaguely remember them playing there, um, but now obviously they moved to the Emirates. That's all you sort of can remember. But the Emirates is an imposing stadium or venue. Mm. It's, it's a very good venue, and I think Glasgow deserve, uh, Glasgow Rocks deserve to have a venue of that caliber um, that puts them really in the elite of basketball clubs in the country. So mm. it's really it's really good to have them back. Like I said, it'll be good when Glasgow can come back and, and Dundee can come back to playing ice hockey. Um because that's really I think that they're cancelled now until maybe maybe next season. So it'll be good to get them back too. And then like I said, we can come back to some sort of normality sports wise. But I think ice hockey are a bit more wary. They're waiting to see what happens with this uh, um spectators coming back in before they start again but that is great to see basketball and I, like I said I think if you go onto the BBL website if you want to see that game I think it's pay-per-view on there It's maybe too cold for the ice hockey to come back <clears throat> sorry I couldn't help myself there um, but yeah I mean um, what you were saying about family events I think ice hockey is a bit like that as well because I've never been to a game probably, probably you have in the past but um, the nearest I've seen that is, remember that from the Mighty Ducks of Farmer as well, but yeah. like and 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 all all these kind of different movies as well. But looks as though it's good. Uh, it's a good atmosphere, and it's the same with the box, uh, the basketball. Uh, what was going to say was the boxing a nice family event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice they are fun thinkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but no, what I was going to say was um, the Brehig, it's a good atmosphere because that's how I was thinking of it. I was thinking about boxing because I've been there for the boxing at Brehig and so, well, I was going to say it's a good atmosphere, but but yeah, it, but you, you know what I mean? It's Down with that sort of thing. Yeah, round <laughs> five. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and all that, yeah. I've been to Brehig for the old uh, tenants. 60s as well, remember? Oh, when, God, aye. Uh, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> do, you, do you remember, like, when Celtic hadn't won a trophy in what, how many years and Celtic did win the 10 at 60s? Yeah. <laughs> everybody went nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, exactly. Big kick. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's good because he sport back and then a few months' time or maybe the end of April, I'm not sure, you'll have the Grand National as well. Well, yeah, the I mean, the horse racing's coming back. Obviously, you know, we're, we're looking into, um, you know, getting, well, I don't think the Grand National have fans, but I know Air, Air uh, Horse Racing down here, Air are looking to sell tickets. So I don't want to turn into an advertising board for Air, Air Horse Track, but uh, they are selling tickets to the Gold Cup, uh, the Air Gold Cup in September. They're selling tickets from Monday for that. So they're hoping in September to have the Air Gold Cup with the fans in. So that's from September. So that's going to be quite good. So if you're into your horse racing and you've missed it, the Gold Cup at Air is a place to be. Um, and like I said, I don't know how many tickets they're selling, but that's going on sale uh, on Monday on the Air, Air Horse Racing website. But also, you know, there's fans talk up 
fans coming into Euro 2020 now mm. um, and local fans coming in. So that starts in June, obviously. The big one we're all waiting for is Scotland against against England at Wembley. And there's talk of maybe 10,000, 15,000 fans being able to go from a local point of view. And given London's Scotland population, Scottish population, if Scottish fans can apply locally to get these local tickets, if that's what's going to happen, we could have a few hundred Scottish fans in that stadium cheering for Scotland. So it's all looking good. But also, you know, talking about Scotland, I forgot to mention, I just prime my memory, how well Scotland or how Scotland done in the World Cup qualifying over the last week. Because mm-hmm. I realised now we've just mentioned that, I've not spoke about it, and I will do it quick because Michael will tell me off time-wise. <laughs> um, you know, slap my... Face with rubber, yeah. rubber horn. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I think last week, last week was a funny one for Scotland because I, I don't think it was a, a disaster, right? But because of because of the group Scotland are in, you know, Scotland uh, with Denmark and Austria, and th- those two are obviously going to be the ones that are going to qualify for the top two. They are the favourites to qualify. Because of the way the results happened, you know, two draws and a win. On paper, that doesn't look too bad. And I think, you know, now that we're all mathematicians, you know, I don't think in time's gone by and qualifiers gone by, we'd have thought two draws and a win was that bad. But now that we've got these statisticians that tell us all these magical uh, mathematic figures, do you know, we never lost, but do you know now because of those results, Scotland only have a 7% chance of reaching the World Cup next um, in Qatar? because of the way it is so you know i think prior to the qualifiers um statisticians had worked out or i don't know boffins if you want to call them you know they worked out that scotland had a 12.5 percent chance of making it to qatar but because of the results because scotland sits second at the moment but they're four adrift of denmark um and because therefore they have to go to austria and probably scotland can't afford to lose to austria either because they have to go to austria that has meant that scotland's chances have now decreased to 7%. Denmark are up there, 97, 96% favourites to win the group. Austria have a 96% chance of finishing second in the group, with Scotland on a 7% chance to qualify. It's not looking too great. So, you know, I, I'm not too disappointed. Scotland are always a work in progress. They've qualified for Euro 2020. Because of that, we all got really excited. But I think we just have to take a look back. Squad-wise, we're not the greatest. Formation-wise, I don't think Steve Clark's got it 110% right with how we play, what formation we're going to play, who we're going to play in certain positions. So to get two draws and a win isn't a disaster. But I, th- I think ultimately we might not qualify for this tournament coming up. But if we can get close, if we can use it as a stepping stone, for example, I thought Shea Adams when he came on was absolutely outstanding. Um, and I think we found, again, it pains me because I'm a Aston Villa, more Aston Villa fan in England than he used to play for Birmingham. So it pains me to say, but I thought Shea Adams looked like a Scotland player we've been waiting to see for a long, long time. And I think if he plays up front with somebody, um, apart with a partner, I think Scotland looked better with two up top. Mm. I think because we have a player like Shea Adams who can work off somebody, I think we have the potential to move on. Defensively, we always look solid. We've just lacked that person up front who can put the ball in the back of the net. And Shea Adams possibly is that guy who will be able to score the goals that can uh, fire Scotland to 
maybe not this tournament and the World Cup coming up, but I think Shea Adams could be the man that fires us into tournaments for a long time after that, whether it's Euros or future World Cups. Shea Adams is the guy we've been waiting for 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 a generation, I would say. Okay, well, um, that, yeah, there, there you go. So thanks for listening to the show this week. Um, don't forget to download the podcast and stuff, and we'll be back next Friday at 6 till 7. Good luck to the women's rugby team and the BBL basketball uh, Glasgow Rocks. And we'll be back next uh, Friday. I was going to say Monday. Friday <laughs> on, on the locker room. Have a nice cracking weekend. I'm melted here. <laughs> um, I'm going to try and get as many corny um, e- um, lines in about eggs as I can. But um, I'm cracking up here. Um, I, keep forget- I keep forgetting about Easter and I thought eggs and I thought, oh yeah, eggs. Yeah, yeah. But no, <laughs> Why is he talking about eggs? No, it's not boiled eggs, Matthew. Um, I thought you'd done a Hamilton commentator on this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, that's a good time to go. <laughs> Next week here on Indie Live Radio. Keep it here. Bye.